Good morning to everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater uh, from Chicago, although I'm calling from uh, Montana this morning. Today is a Friday, May 18th, 2018, and we are reading from the big book. We are currently on page 60, reading uh, the third paragraph. That third paragraph starts being convinced we were at step three. And we're going to read through two paragraphs today, ending with more likely to have varied traits. And we're going to comment on, on both paragraphs on page 60. <clears throat> the, uh, today's readers are, we have Tenzin P on the 12 steps. Bonnie M is going to handle the 12 traditions. And the readers of the text, we have Lynn F, Rita K, and Hoodie R. Let me give you the reference number for, for yesterday, which was Thursday, May 17th, for the 7 a.m. meeting. That's 11426, 11,426. And for the 10 a.m. meeting yesterday, the, uh, the reference number is 11,428. That's 11428. The OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. And we welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively there are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors, and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states that each group has but one primary purpose, and that is to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of um, the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask uh, Tenzin P. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Tenzin. Mm, good morning, and good morning, everyone. Uh, Tenzin P. calling in from near New York City. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless small inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends 
to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and will move along, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks so much. Thank you you very Uh, much. Thank you, Tenzin. Okay, now, um, Bonnie, would you be good enough to read the 12 traditions? Yes, hi, this is Bonnie M. from Peabody, Massachusetts, and the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, An OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Bonnie, appreciate that. Okay, here's how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive readers only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. 
This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. And we are sharing what the directions in the Big Book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. And today we are uh, going to resume our study of the big book. We are currently on page 60, starting with the third paragraph. It starts being convinced we were at step three. We're going to read through two paragraphs, ending more likely to have varied traits, and our comments are going to be both on both paragraphs. Hey, yo, Lynn F., good morning. Good morning, Larry in Chile, Montana. Thank you for your time today, and um, here we go. Um, this is Lynn F. in Pennsylvania. Being convinced, we were at step three, which is that we decided to turn our will and our life over to God as we understood him. Just what do we mean by that, and just what do we do? The first requirement is that we be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. On that basis, we are almost always in collision with something or somebody, even though our motives are good. Most people try to live by self-propulsion. Each person is like an actor who wants to run the whole show, is forever trying to arrange the lights, the ballet, the scenery, and the rest of the players in his own way. If arrangements would only stay put, if only people would do as he wished, the show would be great. Everybody, including himself, would be pleased. Life would be wonderful. In trying to make these arrangements, our actor may sometimes be quite virtuous. He may be kind, considerate, patient, generous, even modest and self-sacrificing. On the other hand, he may be mean, egotistical, selfish, and dishonest, but as with most humans, he is more likely to have varied traits. And I'll share on that. And um, reading this, I am, I am, um, I can remember clearly my <clears throat> first, my step three. Uh, when I began working with a big book sponsor several years ago, and I um, took my step three um, in a car with her. Um, we did our step work in a car. I don't remember why, but um, she had me read this the step three passage in the first person. Um, so it went something like this. The first requirement is that I be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. On that basis, I am almost always in collision with somebody, something or somebody, and so on. And when I did that, um, I felt my body just shake and tremor with this notion that this was me, that I was always the person trying to arrange the ballet, the lights, and when it didn't go off, I, I was all those negative things. I was mean and egotistical. But the thing that really floors me is that that's where the rubber hits the road for me. And that, that energy that it took um, to be the control and then it not go my way is, was the door that opened to the food. Because, because I tried so hard 
And didn't they know how great it would be if they just followed my script and or if life followed my script. And when it didn't, um, my personality would turn and I had no reprieve other than the hand in the mouth and the bag and the baskets and whatever food I could grab hold of uh, to quench that unsettledness deep inside me. Um, I was invited, I, I, and I read that, and, you know, would read that passage um, more than once uh, as life goes on and control comes back or self-will runs, uh, comes back or creeps in. And it's just a humbling um, passage. I'm excited we're here in the big book and we'll be um, hearing more on this in the days to come, but also um, excited to hear what others have to say. So that's my experience. Thanks for having me share and have a great day. Thanks so much, Lynn. Okay, we're going to transition to, uh, to shares. And again, we're on page 60, the uh, third paragraph, reading through two paragraphs there. Who would like to share on what was read? Joe M. Joe? Kathy K. Kathy? Melissa and Maura. Nancy. Amy. Monica T. Monica. Barbara E. All right, let's stop there with Barbara. So here's our lineup. We're going to start in Minnesota. We're going to go Joe. We're going to go Kathy, Melissa, Maura, Nancy, Amy, Monica, and Barbara. So Joe, followed by Kathy. Hey, Joe, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Thank you for your service, and good morning to everyone on the line. My name is Joe M., calling from Minnesota, compulsive overeater. Being convinced we are at step three. Being convinced of what? <laughs> of the previous paragraph, um, that I'm not managing my own life, no human power can, God could and would if he were sought, whatever God means to anybody. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, we all have individual um, ideas of what that is. Um, and why would I be willing to even consider that the first requirement is that I be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. Why would I even be willing to consider that idea? I mean, I came here with an eating problem, and what they're telling me here is that, you know, Joe, your problem really isn't food. Your problem is the essence of what's going on inside of you. That's, that's the actual problem. And so they're introducing me here to that reality. I remember when I, I had been in a relapse and I, I came back to OA, really newly defeated. And I remember shortly after I'd come back saying to myself, I know what I'm going to have to do to get at this eating thing. I'm going to have to look at my demons. That's what I call it. I call them at the time, my demons. I don't call them that now. But I knew that there was something in my essence that I was going to have to address in order to deal with this eating problem. And I had not yet been introduced to the program of recovery yet. But I knew that some, even then, even that early stage, that the eating itself was not the core issue. It was, who am I? That's the core issue. And also that this paragraph, this, you know, almost always in collision and a life run on self-will and living by self-propulsion, I mean, this is as true for me today as it ever was. Like, 
just because I'm in recovery doesn't mean these things aren't still true about me. Um, I've been reminded recently that, you know, in step 11, it says we constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show. And why, why do we have to do that is because we are constantly trying to run the show. So um, this paragraph for me is not about the past. It's about the present as well. Um, so anyway, I will pass with that. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. All right, let's hit up two educators, Kathy, followed by Melissa. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, Larry, and thank you for your service. Thanks, everyone who's on the line. This is Kathy Kay, recovered in Boston. And, um, you know, any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. The first time I read that, um, I my immediate thought was, well, what else can I run my life on? Um, I was an agnostic. I did not have a sense of a power greater than myself. And uh, it was pretty confusing to me. But as we read on, we get many examples um, of self-will run riot. Um, I I have to say, after several years of working the steps, I regularly encounter self-will in my life. The big difference is I know it a lot sooner, um, and I am quite willing to uh, seek uh, help in letting go of my self-will and discerning a higher powers will for me. Um, and for that, I am so grateful. I did not know what self-proposition was, or perhaps better said, I didn't know what the alternative to self-propulsion was uh, the first time I read this paragraph. And today I know that when my shoulders get tight or I start building up resentment, um, there's a good likelihood that I'm wanting somebody to do something that I want uh, that they don't necessarily have on their agenda. Um, there's a good chance that I am very subtly taking back my will. So it still happens to me very often, but for the grace of God, I have now a set of tools in the steps that allow me to notice, stop, pause, ask for help, and then be enabled to take a different action and to practice acceptance of what's going on around me. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much, Kathy. Okay, we have Melissa followed by Maura. Hey, Melissa, how many more days till school is out? Good morning, Larry. Good morning. No, it's not out yet. Uh, uh, Melissa J., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, it, it's actually easier uh, to put the food down than it is to put yourself uh, out of this position of management. And that, that's what it was for me. Like, you think, you think it's hard to, to start reading the ingredients and, and, and stopping, you know, eating those things. But um, that was easy in comparison. I, I struggled terribly. Like, what does it even look like to not be in management, you know, to not be running the show? Because um, I really believe that 
I was doing a great job, you know. Um, I, I could really run everything except I just had this weight problem, you know. And then there are moments, and I'm so grateful for them, when it became really clear that um, I was the world's worst employer. You know, I was the worst boss of all, and I had no authority to be in this management position. And, um, you know, and for me, those were the moments um, when I was eating in a way that I did not want to eat, but I had nothing else in my pocket. I had no other thing I could turn to. And and all the management I was doing was was forcing me to eat. You know, like that's what it was. And so it, it became really clear, okay, go on, keep on trying to manage um but you're you're burying yourself with a you know with a fork and a spoon, and um, you know. And so today, when I find myself um, getting unsure, like where am I managing, and where am I just being a really good mom or a really good teacher? Because it, it's not always easy to um, know like what part is like doing you know my responsibility, my obligations, and what part is in management and. Um, I can sort of tell now because I get really uncomfortable inside. I get that tight, panicky feeling. And, you know, I have to remind myself, and I, I kind of do it in a humorous way, like you can't even manage how much food you put in your mouth. Something so basic as, you know, as, as simple as that. Um, I have to write down. I'm so broken. I have to write down what I'm going to eat every day. I have to put it on a scale. I have to put it in a measuring cup. I have to tell another grown-up what makes me think I have any business to tell another person or even believe that I should know what another person should do. And um, and that kind of keeps me in a, in a position of humility. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thanks, Melissa. Okay, now batting, shortstop. For the Yankees, Mora, followed by Nancy on deck. Mora, good morning. <laughs> Do I get to pick which one? Yes, yeah. <laughs> There's so many to pick from. They're all so good, uh, especially when we're in first place. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say that out loud? Let me start my timer, please, and behave myself. Good morning, Larry. Thank you very much for your service and everyone else on the line. Oh, Mora Z recovered in Virginia by God's grace, being convinced. We were at step three, which is that we decided to turn our will and our life over to God as we understood him. And I was taught many years ago by my sponsor. I circled the word will, and out in the column, out in the margin, I wrote thinking. And I circled the word life, and in the column, in the margin, I wrote action. Because that's what I needed to do. I needed to have it spelled out. I needed to have it be, in layman's terms, really simple. Because will and life were too vague for me. I didn't know what that meant. So I needed to learn to turn my thinking and my actions over to God. To the God that I understood. Excuse me. And that just made it a little bit more tangible, if you will. A little bit more, a little easier for me to grasp what I was being asked to do. I needed it on simple terms. So all of my thinking, which was probably 90% um, 
false because my thinking told me I could handle this. My thinking told me I know what to do. My thinking told me, oh, I just need the right diet. I just need the right food plan. I'm not going to the right OA meetings. I don't have the right sponsor. These are the things that my mind was telling me. This is what my thinking was telling me. And it was all false. My actions, very often, were not congruent with my thinking. My actions, you know, would be of a person who demands to be in control all the time, yet my thinking was telling me that I'm not good enough, that they're going to find out I'm a fraud and I don't know what I'm doing. So it was, it was, it was very important for me to understand what it meant to be convinced. I was convinced. I could not do anything about my life. I had tried. I had succeeded in some respects, but I couldn't handle how much food I was putting in, as Melissa said. If I can't figure out how much food to eat, how could I possibly be effective in the rest of my life? So I turned my will, my thinking, and I turned my life, my actions, over to God every day. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Maura. Okay, we're going to go Nancy, and then we're going to shoot over to the West Coast, and we've got Amy. Nancy, good morning. Hi, this is Nancy. Can I be heard? You can. Okay, thanks for letting me share. So I didn't know what I didn't know. I thought that what I defined as the force of my personality was just sort of like an unfiltered cigarette, strong flavor and only for the highly discerning. And what I was blind to was that I had very few friends, got nearly no invitations to join groups, and was constantly finding myself on the outside looking in. And that includes in meetings and in my, you know, outside of meetings life. And I had, um, you know, I was jealous and I was enraged that people just, you know, didn't want to be around me. And, you know, I sort of um, live in a world today where, you know, I do a lot of food preparation, as most of us do, and I've, I've got sort of a mindset of do it the night before so that you don't have to do it in the morning when time is short. And, um, you know, there was no amount of frantic activity that was going to save me, and so I ate. And, um, you know, minute directions to detail makes me feed on myself. Um, you know, I'll do it the night before, and, you know, it's just like being on – Speed, you know, taking, you know, like amphetamines, and I can never relax. Um, and today, it's such a difference that when I, this morning, when I was reading on awakening, I, the first thing that I did was ask God to divorce my thinking from selfish, self-seeking, or dishonest motives. And then I wait for the right thought to come. What a difference. I mean, it's like constantly being at the end of your tether to being in a, in a massage. And um, I cannot express accurately how much I, um, the relief, what it is. And, you know, that comes, the payback, you know, I don't need to go into details, but, you know, trust me when I say that the payback happens in real time with real things that, that work out better than I ever could have thought. Um, and, you know, I, I just, live my life on a much more calm plane. And um, 
the key to all of it is to not think about myself, is to think about others. And um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Nancy. We got Amy followed by Monica. Amy, I have a new appreciation for you being in Montana. What in God's name are you doing up this early? Oh, well, hi, Larry. It's Amy G. from Maryland. (laughs) Oh, you're in Maryland. I thought you were in the West Coast. There you go. There's a little humble pie for me. No. (laughs) I've been to Montana. It is beautiful. It's God's country, in my humble opinion. It's gorgeous. So soak it up. Okay, so I'm Amy. I'm a recovered uh, recovered, uh, composable reader from Maryland. Awesome meeting. Thank you, everyone, for your service. being completely certain, that word completely, I'm sorry, completely um, being convinced, that word, if you'll notice, is in both paragraphs. And I think that is significant. And I've always liked looking up words and their definitions um, as I go through the big book. And the other word for convinced is completely certain. So being completely certain, completely certain of what? You know, the ABCs of recovery, we just went through them. Do I believe that I have the twofold nature of this disease, the physical allergy, the mental obsession? Do I believe that I lack power and I need a power greater than myself? Am I open to search out that power, whatever that power may be? And if so, then I find myself at step three at a decision point. You know, earlier in this chapter, you know, we stood at the turning point, another decision point about step one. And now I'm at another decision point. Am I convinced? And if I am convinced of the ABCs of this disease, so to speak, am I then convinced that my self-will, my thinking, my old, my old ideas, my way of acting and reacting to life is also unmanageable? Remember, the second part of step one is that my life is unmanageable, not just my craziness with food, but that my life had become unmanageable. And that self-will, that self-propulsion, put me constantly in a position where Harlan always says, I created a buildup of human emotion. Why? Well, I didn't know any better, like others had said. I was just trying to live life the only way I knew how, but it created that buildup of human emotion because I was trying to control the world. I thought I had to control everything around me. I thought I had to be perfect. I thought sin was well. I mean, I had all sorts of crazy ideas, but I didn't know any different, and my only outlet was then the food. But the key here to step three, it says here, what's the first requirement? And it talks about it in step three in the um, AA 12 and 12. The key is willingness. Am I then willing to let go of that self-propulsion? Am I willing to take instruction? Am I willing to be humble, honest, open, willing, and listen to what it is that those who have recovered are saying in this book? And, you know, listen to my sponsor. The, the, um, the 12 and 12 is great with this, and I found it a great release because it says here on page 40 in the 12 and 12, it is when we try to make our will confirm, conform with God's that we begin to use it rightly. To all of us, this was the most wonderful revelation. Our whole trouble had been the misuse of willpower. We had tried to bombard our problems with it instead of attempting to bring it into agreement with God's intention for us. To make this increasingly possible is the purpose of AA's 12 steps, and step three opens the door. So for me, I got the ABCs of recovery, and then was I willing? Had I made a decision to take action? Had I made a decision to seek out a higher power of some sort, whatever that may be, and even if it started out with just taking the next right action step, 
or follow the instruction given to me by my sponsor. It all started with putting the food down and then moving forward to work these steps one at a time. And the key was that willingness. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy. I could have sang, good morning, Baltimore. Oh, well. I don't know the rest of the words anyway. <laughs> okay, so we have Monica by Barbara. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida, rainy Florida. Um, Amy took most of what I was going to say, so we'll try something different here. All right, we're in the chapter, How It Works. All right, and I've had A, B, and C, and by that I've got written, do I agree that I am alcoholic and cannot manage my own life? You know, and then in this paragraph, in B and C, and then being convinced. Monica, are you convinced? You know, Bill knows us. He knows us. Are you convinced? Have you been brought to belief, another definition for convinced? Have you been brought to belief that you have an allergy to certain foods and you cannot ever have them again because they make you crave more? Have you been brought to the belief that you have this crazy way of thinking when it comes to food, an abnormal way of thinking? Have you been brought to belief that this is you? That your way hasn't worked? Nobody else has been able to help you. Nothing else has worked. Have you been brought to this belief that it's just not working? You need something bigger than you? Have you been brought to the belief if your, if your problem is a lack of power, that you need some type of power greater than you? Yep, I'm screwed. I need something greater than me. I don't know what it is. I'm not too sure about this God stuff here. But here I am at step three. Now, it says, I'm going to decide to turn. And I love how it's saying to turn, because Monica hates the word surrender. To turn. That's a process, you know? That's a process to turn. Am I willing to turn? Am I willing to start this process? Am I willing to go through with the rest of the steps here and, and try to change my thinking and change my actions? And let and see what happens as a result of doing these steps. And then it says, just what do we mean by that? Well, the next couple of pages, and like has been said before, I was also told to to read them in the personalizing it with I and putting it in present tense and seeing how much of this stuff I could identify with. And then just what we do, do we do? That's the most important question here. What are we going to do about this? I'm screwed. Well, they're going to tell me exactly what to do. Don't worry about it, Monica. We've been through it. We know it's on the other side of the door. It's wonderful. And we will tell you exactly, precisely how to do it. And then the next paragraph, it says the first requirement is that we be convinced. Convinced. Have I been convinced that I'm crazy? <laughs> that I'm that I'm manipulating the next paragraph, I'm being selfish. If only they do what I want, I'm manipulating. Well, if you don't do it when I'm nice with syrup, will you do it when I'm mean and nasty? And with that, I pass. Thanks, Monica. Barbara, you don't bring me flowers anymore. 
Good morning, hey, Barbara. Larry. Good, Good morning. morning, Larry. Thank you so much for your service and for all the people who shared before me. There's hardly anything salient I can contribute except my sincere belief that willingness is the key. I believe the word willing has been mentioned 50 times or more in the big book. And that was a hard bit of grizzle for me to chew, to be willing to believe that there was something out there. A true compass that points north guides navigators to their safe destination. Well, my moral compass was off course. If you put a magnet too close to a true north compass, it can corrupt the data. My data was corrupted. I knew I was completely helpless around food. I knew I couldn't manage my life. I knew I was alternating between honest and dishonest, kind and mean. But to give up my will, I didn't know if I could do that. But as I said, my moral compass was corrupted. So I actually had to look at those principles. And of course, that principle that we've been talking about is number three, faith. But I needed to go beyond that to the next one, courage. I had to be courageous enough to take that first step, willingness, even if I couldn't see the rest of the staircase. I knew if I didn't change direction, I would die. I'd be back where I started from, and that would be the road to certain death. I was desperate. I was waddling around with washcloths taped to my legs. I was wearing sweat shields. I was abstaining from life. I was abstaining from my responsibilities as a parent, a wife, a teacher, a friend. I had to ignore that clamor of social media saying losing 10 pounds in 10 days would work. Get bariatric surgery. I had to ignore that and have the courage to pray and act as if my prayer had already been granted. I didn't know if I could do it, but I didn't know that I had any choice. I had to, as they say, fake it till I made it. And by doing that, I actually came to believe that willingness that eluded me for so many years came back to me. I knew I could do it. And newcomers out there, if I can do it and do it for 21 years, you can do it too. Yes, faith comes and goes. But deep down in the inner ear of my heart, I believe that this is the only thing that can save me. So come along on this journey. Just trust. Trust even if you can't see the end of the staircase. It's there for you. Trust us. Trust yourself. Trust God. Trust the process. And trust this big book to lead you through a beautiful journey. Have a blessed, blessed day, everyone. And again, believe in yourself. 
if you believe in yourself, these miracles will come true. I pass. Thanks, Barbara. Okay, if you're just joining us, we're on page 60, reading from the third paragraph through two paragraphs. If I get out my abacus, hold on. Five times three. Five times three, that's 15. That means five people. Who would like to share? All right. I got here's what I heard so far. Dorita and Tenzin. That's all I got. Jenny Janice. Eve K. C B B. Edith. Okay, I'm so sorry. Here's here's who I got, and I don't even know. I did okay with my abacus, but I don't know that I heard very well. I got Dorita, Tenzin. I wasn't sure if that was Jan or Janice, Leah M. and Edith. I'm so sorry if I didn't hear you the first go around there. So let's start with Dorita. Dorita. Thank you, Larry. <laughs> Hi, my name is Dorita P. From. Can I be heard? You can. You bet. Oh, okay. Thank you. My name is Dorita P. From Cleveland, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and a Really grateful to be here. It's a privilege and honor to be at a meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. Everybody do not get this opportunity for whatever reason, and I'm just so grateful I, I have a seat here. Yes. Um, you know, I wasn't going to share, but I just felt moved to share about step three. You know, step three, um, I guess after completing step three, it was like a relief, you know, Um you know, and and in short, um, you know, I was convinced that, you know, what I was doing or what I knew about life, uh, everything I had done up up to that point was not working. Um, but I thought I was smart. Um, I thought I knew everything. Um, you know, I was the first person in my family to go to college. So I must know the most if not the most in the world, at least the most in my family, you know, and I tried to run my family, um, you know, tell them what to do, what they should do. Um, But I couldn't stop eating. I couldn't stop eating. So what do I know? You know, a lady uh, uh, before me talked about, you know, she doesn't know, you know, she has to weigh her food every day. She has to call another adult and tell another adult what she was going to eat. And it kind of made me laugh because, yeah, um, what do I know? So I'm just really grateful. I could go on and on, but I'm just really grateful. And I just want to welcome the newcomers. You know, if you're new, you know, and I'll just lastly say that, you know, step three is where I stopped, you know, and I kept going back to my group saying, I don't understand three. I don't understand three. And an old timer just told me, Dorita, step three is just making a making a decision to go on with the rest of the program or the rest of the steps. I say it doesn't say that. It doesn't say make a decision. It say make a decision to turn our will and our lives over. But he said that's what it meant. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Larry. Thank you so much for your spirit. Uh, you're welcome. Thanks, Dorita. Okay, we have Tenzin, and I wasn't sure if it was Jan or Janice, but we'll see. Tenzin, good morning. Your turn. Good morning. Thank you. Oh, thank you to everyone who has shared. Thank you to the authors of the big book. Thank you to yeah, the disease that has led us to this recovery. So um, I was contemplating these 
paragraphs before the meeting, and you know the first requirement it, it reads is that we be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. Well, as I was contemplating that this morning, I was really feeling sick from the self-will sickness. And, um, you know, when we started reading this morning, and, oh, yay, we're at the third step now. But the way this is written, um, the authors are circling us back around right away to the end of the first step about how our life has become unmanageable and going deeper with us into, you know, this example about the stage and us as the actor and directing everything. And, um, right, so it was very helpful and sickening to slow down in, in the reading of it this morning. And um, I understand maybe a little better after reading this and uh, why it, we are encouraged to work these steps like our hair is on fire because this is, this is something that we're going to be working with uh, hopefully at more and more subtle levels as long as we're alive. Um, so, mm, right. So always being in collision, may it be an opportunity for growth and connection with God and with myself and with others and to continue to learn how to uh, unravel with the guidance of, you know, my higher power and this program and the steps, how to, how to do that. So I think that's all I have. Thank you all for being here. Thanks so much, Tenzin. Was that Janice or Jan? Oh, you or know my... that voice. You know that oh, voice. Oh, that's that was the, the, the left fielder from Boston, <laughs> the Red Sox. Good morning. <laughs> good morning to you, Larry, and good morning to everyone. My name is Janice PM, and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Yeah, you know, I thought, you know, okay, turn our will, my will, and my life over to God. Okay, oh, I can do that. Well, that's not what, you know, <laughs> this step tells me that, you know, how am I convinced anyway by this time? Because, we, you know, we went over the first two steps. Well, I'm convinced because evidence, you know, showed me of my firm belief. But the thing with me is I have to remember this is a daily, daily action to make that decision. It's not you make it once and then everything is okay because I don't even know how to turn my will. I mean, I don't even know what I have to turn over yet. So, this step, like it's been mentioned, and it's only this what it means is a decision. A decision. I'm gonna. I'm going to decide to do the action, even though ooh, I don't know what the outcome is. You know, I might have a little doubt. There might be a little question. You know, um, but you know, the will, the will to do these steps, because I just I have a choice here, to continue to do these steps or not. That's the decision that I, that's the only decision I have to make here. And I'm sorry, I'm not even doing my time, Larry. So the will, you know, yeah, do I want to do this? Do I want to take this action, these actions? Because my will in my life, you know, doesn't come until, you know, um, the decisions that I'm going to make about my character traits are going to be revealed in steps four through to nine. So, you know, after step nine, oh, I'm going to know, I'm going to know. Um, and it is, a re you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a prerequisite, you know, a requirement 
a requirement. It's something that is necessary. And I have to do this every day. Oh, you know, I think, okay, oh, I'll go and do this, you know, take the step three with my sponsor on the steps of the church and everything will be fine. No, I haven't even started the actions yet. And that's what I feel um, that I have to, you know, help people with. You have to just make a decision. If you want to go to Aruba, the first thing you have to do is, if you've never been there before, you don't know what's there, but you're going to take that, that leap and you're going to decide that that's where I'm going to go. And then you have to do some actions before you get there. And it's the same thing here. It's only a decision. And try to do it without doubt, not fear. And uh, that's all I have for today, because I could go on. Thank you, Larry. Thanks, Janice. Okay, we have Leah M. followed by Edith. Good morning, Leah. Good morning. Thank you for your service, Larry. Being convinced. Um, yes, I was convinced um, because my life <laughs> um, was, you know, full of emotional turmoil, mental torture, physical destruction, and, uh, you know, lack of power was my dilemma. I mean, there was just wreckage all over the place. Now, for years in Overeaters Anonymous, uh, for five years, from 82 to 87, you know, I, I really was just focusing on food only, you know, but why was it not sufficient to let OA manage my compulsive overeating while still maintaining rule over the rest of my domain, so to speak, is because of those bedevilments. It was self-bred unmanageability. Um, you know, the primary fact was that I had a total inability to form a true partnership with another human being, and uh, there was just disharmony, <laughs> and I was the architect of that misery. I was the architect of that misery. Lack of power was my dilemma, in the food, out of the food. So, you know, <laughs> I had to turn and be willing to turn, and that was an act of my will, actually, to make that decision to be done, to be done. I'm done with it. You know, man reaches highest when he's at his lowest. And to me, I was at my lowest. And when you're being chased by a gun, compulsive overeating was my gun, it's not the love of running that propelled me. It is a, a complete uh, respect for the power of this illness, allergy of the body, but the greater aspect, the obsession of the mind. So step three was a decision for God. Even though I did not have any certainty, knowledge, feeling, history about God, it was a decision that I made to turn and to be turned. It wasn't easy. There was a process to go through. And as I you know, was taken by the hand and led through the steps, I became established in a new relationship and I became less and less interested in myself and more and more interested in what I could contribute to life. So it was a decision to turn, a decision to follow through on the action steps and to listen. I had that responsibility. Yes, I did. I had a responsibility for my recovery to listen to the guidance of someone in whom the problem had been solved. I had a responsibility to take these action steps in proper sequence while I was entirely absent. And in that process, I was turned and no longer separated from that inner resource that resided deep within me. 
And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks, Leah. Boy, the way Gwen Miller played. Edith, your turn. Is it possible that it was Eve K? Boy, if it if it's possible, is there an Edith? No? Here I'm singing, uh, you know, something for Edith. Eve, it's your turn. You're up. Okay. Hi, this is Eve K. Good morning, everyone. A compulsive overeater from Brooklyn, New York. Um, the first few hundred times that I read the sentence um, um, that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. I disagreed with that. I was very successful, very successful person. Isn't that what I'm supposed to be? Most people try to live by self-propulsion. Doesn't that show character and strength that I'm controlling and I'm taking my life and my life circumstances and I'm, you know, doing an excellent job of it? Um, so I thought, um, trying to control, make the arrangements, if only everyone would stay put, if only people would do as I wished. When that didn't happen, I just pulled the reins tighter and controlled even more until I pulled the reins so tight that they broke. And then I had to realize, really, was I really successful? Is it really successful when you, um, eat enough food that you can gain 10 to 12 pounds a week? Is it really successful when you're trying so hard to manage the people around you and you find them, you know, distancing them from you? All that is not very successful. And then I had to realize and I had to be convinced, which took a very, very long time, that God is running the show and not me. And I can't manage anything. And I was trying to control everybody and do everything for them, including my food. This didn't work for me. Try to be more restrictive. This is not working. Let's try another diet. But all about me and putting my trust in myself, thinking that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And God can take care of the other stuff, the big miracles that he has to do on a daily basis. I'm here on this earth to take care and handle my own. And um, it took a, a long time for me to be completely convinced that that was completely false. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much, Eve. Okay, we're going to wrap this puppy up for the day here. Okay. Um, thank you to everyone who has shared. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. Let me give you the share ID for today. Uh, the share ID for Friday, May 18th, the 7 a.m. meeting is 11429. That's 11429. So we will now close uh, with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. And Rita Kay, are you available? Did you call on me, Larry? This is Rita. I did. Hey, Rita. Hi, everybody. This is Rita Kay in Kansas. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. And to us, ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. 
Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.